play the game while you listen. What's going on here? But this ragtag crew of adventurers is covering the problems of the average player. Where should I begin? Discussing the homebrews, modules, and the latest content for all things D&D. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? It's Chef Bogue and the pirate captain's recipes for everything. What you're feeling is so normal and perfectly natural. With your host, the pirate captain. Everybody loves me and I don't know why. I'm an asshole. <laughs> I really am. The pirate captain is a dick. Chef Bolg. Let me take a couple steps back so I can, you know, really get this point across. It's bullshit! And Loke the Bard. Instead of making a deal with Cthulhu or, you know, the greater devil, you found an imp who was willing to give you dark vision in exchange for a gallon of blood. With a little mayhem, mischief, and a bit of bardic charisma, it's time for the show. Yar. I never thought I'd be happy to hear this song again. Even hearing from some of my bestest buddies. Except for that filthy ass Yay. little... Yay, that there's one right there. But the other one, I could do less with, even right now. Ugh. What is happening, everybody? We are back. I know it sounds a little bit different because, well, it is different. I have finally found Port in Indiana, and now I'm hanging out with my bestest friends, Bolg. Hey, that's me. I'm here. That is you. Hey, you sound a little uh, airy there, buddy. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, of course, Loke the Bard. As always. Uh, yeah, it's, we could deal with less of you. Everybody could deal less with you. Trust me. Oh, I just want to say thank you guys for hanging but with I'm us. I'm so our... charismatic. You want more. Oh, man. I, I am already ready. I, you know, the only thing about not doing it the old way is now I can't just turn your mic off. Now I have to actually let you talk. Maybe I should just take your permissions away. That's what it is. Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? I appreciate you guys hanging out with us in our absence. It's going to sound a little different for a little while. We are working on getting it better. We have a lot of stuff in the process of getting the show back up and going into its its old glory days. Granted, we'll not be able to use the multi-million dollar radio station that I worked at because I work at a definitely not a multi-million dollar radio station. It's It's got a million dollars into it, but just not multi uh, but of course, as we are starting the podcast, we got to go ahead and shout out our obligatory podcast things. Bolganpc at gmail.com. Make sure you guys go follow us on all our socials Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, everywhere it is. It is just Bolg and PC. Uh, that's because we are the stars of the show, and then we bring along a bard because it's important to have them around to give you some talent. Uh, there's no talent with you at all. We, we, we drew the short end with the bards. Um, so we have some big news. We are working on eventually live streaming this. We want to eventually put this up on YouTube where you guys can go and just watch us come hang out with us, drop in chats, and it'll be a, it'll be a good time. Uh, it's going to be coming down the line. Uh, we have a little bit of other stuff that we have to get through. I'm still essentially putting my studio together here where I, where I live now in Indiana. So if you live in Indiana, uh, I'll be out and about. I do have a sponsor for this uh, this uh, episode. It is Shattermare Comics. You know, our friends that we had on recently, uh, and I say recently, what was that, like three, four months ago? When was, when, when was the last time? It sounds better when you say like three episodes ago. Yeah. I, yeah, it doesn't seem like we've taken such a long break. <laughs> it's definitely like three episodes ago, but it was yeah. definitely like months ago. I, and I miss those guys. They were really cool. Uh, you guys can go to ShatterMareComics.com. That's where you guys will be able to view their comics. I believe they are working on number nine. They just released number eight. 
which was really good. Uh, I already had it ordered and shipped right here to Indiana, so now I got to get them. Uh, I got to get them up here so they can sign it for me. They have all. I have all their issues signed, uh, but one Mr. Producer still has my copies, and it's okay, Mr. Producer. I forgive you. They're that good. Uh, it's Shattermare Comics. Don't go. Uh, don't go. Uh, read D and D comic book that makes you feel like you're actually playing. They are. They are characters that are doing the things that you would do as a player. Oh, but with that being said, that, that that's pretty much what we've been up to. I'm officially a, a Hoosier now. I live in the state of Indiana. I do miss the great state of Florida. I, I do miss my golf weather. Uh, but uh, how you guys been? You guys miss me. I know you miss me. Right. Let's not all talk at once. The number of people that can uh, create Florida Man articles for the rest of the country has gone down by one. <laughs> <laughs> the the central focus of those Florida Man articles has also gone down by one. Yeah. Oh, but it's it's good to be back, man. Like I said, we've got a lot of stuff like upcoming and planning. I really do want to uh, say, hold on, bear with us, and as we kind of transition into this new uh, style of doing things. But let's go ahead and get into today's topics. We got quite a bit. Uh, oh, by the way. I want to shout out somebody, and and he just he happened to find us at the worst worst time. Uh, it was right when we were getting ready to go on to our little bit of hiatus as I was transitioning to um, moving in here to Indiana for a new radio job. But I want to shout out to the super fan Gabriel, dude. You uh, of all the people that actually made this like even more. How do, how do I want to say this? Like. Me wanting to get back as soon as possible. It's all because of you, Gabriel, man. You have been nothing but great. Uh, we do have your email. He emailed us at bolganpc at gmail.com. We're going to get into that later here in the episode. Uh, but, I, Gabriel, a hey, big shout-out to you, bro. Anything you guys want to say to him, or are you just going to be uh, cheesy no, to sit over in the... No, no, no. Thanks for being a fan, Gabriel. I mean, um, thank you for, you know, asking me directly about a question that didn't I didn't expect that so thank you and um again thank you for listening that's it's amazing that we have people reaching out to us and and expressing how much they enjoy the show i really really like that yeah yeah and it, it's one of those things where like you said right right at he found us at right at the wrong time i mean we don't normally have these big breaks like we had this time and Hopefully those are now a thing of the past again, now that we're back up and running. Yeah, I, it shouldn't be so too for, much. For for him and future super fans, <laughs> we should, oh. we'll, we'll try to get back to more regular business as normal now. Yeah, we'll see how much is business as normal. All righty, let's go ahead and get into to, to the topics of the better day. Better than normal, how's yeah, that? Uh, better than normal, I like it. Um. Obviously, we missed out on the D and D movie because it, it came out right after we went on hiatus, and we were talk we talked about it beforehand, and we said our things. I really wish we had the conversation when we had lunch when we were like, it would be so much better if this movie was actually like, yeah, they're they're in a D and D movie, but like at the end of the movie, it like pulls out and it's like Danny DeVito is like leading the whole thing. It's like him as the DM and everybody else is like playing their characters. Which they didn't yeah. go. Obviously, they didn't listen to our idea, and it's probably why. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't go with the meta at all. But that 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 was. I still think they should have. I think it would have made it a little more D and D esque. I think it, I think it would have added to its like goofy vibe because it did have yeah. like a very goofy like vibe about it. Well, and and a lot of the things that they you could tell like they intentionally went in there, uh, and you know, with the paladin being the NPC that the directors have at, are using as a dm would use to get the 
the party back on track. You know? I love the uh, I love the beef that uh, Edgen had with him too. Like yeah. I, I get the whole backstory behind it, but and it, and it leads into this that I don't think Edgen was a bard, but, and you and I agree on that. Yeah, yeah. I I personally think he was a mastermind rogue. Yep. Who took the I entertainer background. That. Yeah. See. So all yep. three of us are in an agreement, and it, and it and it just it made that like that strife between the two of them that much better, uh, and it worked. Uh, yeah. Reggae Jean Page was really good as a paladin. He played uh, like <laughs> the most literal paladin ever I've ever seen. The fact of him walking over the rocks was even hilarious because it just seemed like something like you're saying an NPC would do. Uh, yeah, but. It wasn't but, a. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Those little things like that, where where it's clearly you can see they're playing with the D and D tropes um, and things that happen at real games and try to 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 work those into the plot. I I just think for an outsider, we see those things as insiders. I don't know if the outsiders would get that part. How many outsiders? Uh, so that's where I thought there might have been a night. You know, they might have needed to add just that little layer. To show that you know this is a group playing a game, and this is what that game is in their heads. Or, yeah. you know. How many outsiders do you honestly think went and saw it? Like I know, like D and D's grown in popularity here in recent years, but I don't think many outsiders, if they had no interest, they weren't really coming to see this movie. Well, box office would disagree. Well, I mean, there's a lot of nerds out there that went and saw this movie. Well, they're, yeah, their 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 box office really wasn't as great as they were expecting. Given what they spent on the budget, so. I think the, didn't they just break even, or were they a little under? Yeah, they last I, they were still a little under last I saw, but I believe they have broken even now. Uh, well, what do you so got? That's not worldwide. Yeah, seventy-one point five million worldwide. Not bad. Yeah, what were you saying, Mister Producer? I said, isn't that standard for D and D movies? None of them have really made profit in the past. I, <laughs> well, you, you can't judge profit by box office especially with a property this a hasbro property especially because high-end toys and and they weren't going to make any toys off this money they've got tons of them out there. why would you want to buy like any toy from like these guys like i wouldn't have bought like well if you're a fan of this kind of you know they have the the uh gelatinous cubes and the the displacer beast and the yeah, but that would have been that would have been something more along the line of, I don't know, you you wouldn't bought like character specific toys from this. It would have been like, hey, I'm just gonna buy a gelatinous cube from Hasbro, but it wouldn't have been directly into the movie. It would have just been your normal D and D stuff. Oh no, they they have the Honor Among Thieves, uh, merchandise no. that is specifically for this uh, from the movie stuff. I I don't I uh, I don't really. I, I didn't see it, man. I, I just, I, I'm glad it kind of broke even. It wasn't a bad movie. I have my issues with the movie. Mo most of mine are like continuity issues. Like you would, there'd be like a couple scenes where, uh, let's take the, the battle arena scene where, uh, Edgen is like sitting there and he's ready to fight. Uh, and then it flips out and it's showing you like the expanse of the arena. There was really good shots in here. Like cinematically it was well done, but then it would flip back and where he was getting ready to fight, he's, he's, his hands are down by his side and it's, it looked like it was a whole different scene altogether. And it's like, come on, man, what the hell? Or when they were riding in the woods and they had Doric, uh, riding like side by side with everybody. And then in the neck, the very next scene, like it just 
flipped and she is like way behind. So there's there's continuity issues. And then I have my issues with Dork. We'll get in that here in a bit. But it wasn't at all a bad movie. All right. It just needed like a few more tweaks. And I think, like I said, if you'd have had it where even if it was just like all of the guys like Chris Pine playing himself and all these other guys playing themselves uh and then it zoom out on the table. It would have added that sense of like, okay, these are people playing a TV show together, but it didn't have that. So the average person who probably doesn't play D and D didn't really get it. You had a great example of what could have been like the dragon in that scene where it's chasing them through the undercroft and stuff like that, where the dragon could have just been like one of the one of the players, like fat dog or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a missed opportunity. Uh, I think it would have made more sense to the outside world. And that may, that may be why the, the numbers, you know, if just getting just the D&D fans, maybe it's enough for them. Maybe that's all they needed. Yeah, but for it to be a billion dollar movie that's appealing to everybody, you got to you got to get that outside. Yeah. Well, I I personally had conversations with people that oh, had because nothing we to... didn't have personal conversations with anybody we just said you know me me and loke were just like you know what we're <laughs> gonna keep this to ourselves but uh, no 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 it, it, it i had conversations with people who saw the movie but have nothing to do with D, and they thoroughly enjoyed the movie they just didn't understand it um yeah. as well as somebody who plays D would they didn't get the minor nuances like bigby's hand and um you know, finger of death, all that kind of stuff that we know we've seen the talk about like an NPC just walking over a rock. They just thought it was a funny thing. Yeah. We knew what they were talking about. Well, and, and, and like I said, if you would have brought out and said, Oh, these guys are playing a game, it probably would have even enticed them to go in and say, Oh man, they can do these great things in this game. If they, cause it would have made it seem you, you're right. We get it. They don't. But if you're, you're like, Oh, if they shot, showed a scene of them at the table with the books laid out, uh, you know, hey, look, the player's handbook, the DM sitting behind his screen. I still think Danny DeVito would have been the greatest DM. Like, he's telling the story. Or, actually, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant made a pretty good villain, even though he wasn't, like, well, the main villain. He would have, It would have been really good to even see him playing as, like, a DM. I think it's actually something, maybe if it's intentional, is one of the most brilliant things that they could have done. If it's not intentional, then it's just a great side effect. Is that these people who were talking to me and know that I play D&D were asking me questions about it and asking me how to get into the game. I mean, yeah, but if you go in there and you're just kind of kind of like a, a group of kids going to go see a movie because it, it there wasn't anything out at the same time that the D&D movie came because the Mario movie didn't come out until a little bit later. Like, I think... It was the, the week, yeah, the next week. Yeah, so you... Which, honestly, probably John led... Wick, John Wick the week before, so it was sandwiched in between... Yeah. That, that that was just bad placement on on the movie itself. I think if it had been like maybe like an early February release or something like that, it probably would have done a lot better because no, there wasn't anything out in February. Um, yeah. Not not to say that it, it wasn't going to do bad, but if you have these, you you have a bunch of kids that are just going to go in and see a movie real quick because you know it's the weekend, trying to get away from things. I don't think that they would have been able to just stopped and going, Hey man, that guy sounds like he knew there was actually people in front of me that actually cosplayed for the, the movie. And they actually had really good ones too. So there are already people that are already playing the game. So I think it also depends upon the theater. It doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay what you're saying, Bulg, but I'm just saying that that right there, these guys are, it, it, 
you're 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 probably like a once in a, a once in an occasion kind of type of deal versus somebody else because people I, I are also in... think what goes but what bulb was talking about i think was a lot of the goal when they set out to make this movie was to bring in those those new players and those casual people who just went to see the movie um but i think they would have been more successful with that plan had they included just that that little pull out like uh we referred it to it as like the princess bride with the, the grandpa reading the kid, the story type scenes where they just, just, just that framing device. Yeah. I, I, it, it would have been good. And you had a little bit of a mixed opportunity, missed opportunity. Like I said, I think that the people that they had in the movie were great. Uh, I, and Hugh Grant could have been a great DM, like just kind of like sitting there. Cause he's, yeah. he's witty. He, if there was a bard in this movie, it was Hugh Grant. Uh, very charismatic, just kind of like trying to get it for himself. I, it very, he was very much more of the bard than Chris Pine's Edgin was. I, I love, I want to tell you, my favorite character in the entire movie was Simon. And I think Simon had the best story because it was a guy, hey, look, I'm not that great. It would be awesome if I could do better, but I'm just, uh, and he was a wild sorcerer too. I just wish he had a little bit more mishaps of things like blowing up in his face and stuff like that. But Simon was my favorite because, like, he's trying to grow and become this great sorcerer. And then towards the end, you know, he, he was growing into himself. He's, like, the only one that really had natural character growth versus, like, Olga was, Olga, to me, was comic relief. Uh, the very straightforward, I, 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 well, tell me, do you think she was a barbarian or a fighter? I thought she was a fighter. Uh, no. <laughs> It's she definitely is strength based. I mean, she lifted that dude up and like slammed him down. Oh yeah, that her is fight absolutely were, strength. Her fight scenes were ex uh, like really good, uh, really expertly choreographed. But I it yeah, was, it was really hard to like pin her as anything but like. I I wish that they had focused more on her like getting angry. Like if they showed like her eyes flashing or like uh, her grimacing whenever she's fighting. Maybe like. You know, she's like kind of like hunched a little bit to like shorten her stature, and then like whenever she raged or if she raged, that she would kind of like grow a little bit, kind of like show some kind of like steam or something coming off her. So that's that's where I think she was actually just a fighter. Something. Yeah. But... Well, and I I think her case is more of one of those things where they're just stepping back for for movie reasons from the rules, just like the the druid can shapeshift fifteen times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> in one chase scene because it makes a really cool special effects scene uh even though a regular druid during the game could never do that obviously but, but and this I, is where i think she is a barbarian she's raging like she gets mad at the the orc that's put in the cell with them the first time without armor without weapons she can still take them out because she's you know a it's barbarian like a that doesn't need that stuff yeah she's more like a fighter uh, though because fighters that was not an orc. That was a hobgoblin. Yeah. I, I this, see, and it goes, you want to talk about that chase scene too, where she, where they're, they're changing forms a bunch of times. It, that would have been a great thing where it, it, it pulled back out from the scene and you, and you have one of the players going, you can't do that. And the DM yeah. goes, no, 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 I'll allow it. I want to see where this goes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. The rule of cool. And it, it would have been awesome. Like Hugh Grant, I could just see him popping up from over the screen. No, 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 I'll allow it. I want to see where this goes. I, underutilized character. I think he'd have been. He was really good. You Grant. I, I I tell you though, the one that was done super criminally bad, and I and I hated everything. 
I thought the concept was great. I thought it was a, it could have been a great character. They just needed a change. The way they they did her uh, was Doric the Druid, and and I liked yeah. I, I liked the idea Tiefling Druid. Hey, look, I'm trying to protect my forest. She had no dialogue. Um, she didn't do a whole lot to like really push the story forward. Like all the stuff that she really found out. Like she she ended up spending more time. I feel like damsel in distress without actually being the damsel in distress. You know the whole chase scene, and then getting knocked out towards the uh, the arena and stuff like that. She really didn't bring anything to it. And so I, I knew before the movie came out that she wasn't going to have much characterization. That she was going to be kind of in the back, uh, not doing much. Because uh, honestly, it feels like one of those uh, times when you have a character that's got a shitload of backstory that isn't ever brought up in the game. And then they just kind of sit in the back and just participate as they need to in the campaign. But... Because <laughs> before the movie ever came out, there's a book dedicated to just her character. I, okay, so and that that's a problem right there, is the fact that if I have to go read something before I can go watch something... Uh, it's kind of like how the Marvel Universe is work. The Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe is right now. If you don't go watch this one episode, you're not going to know what's happening in the movie, and that's stupid, and you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, but but isn't that just basically a DM going, yeah, I'm not reading that, I'm not using it in a campaign? <laughs> yeah, great great way to freaking like pull back out yet again. There's so many times that they could have pulled back out, and just I could have seen Hugh Grant just like kind of like yes, yes, and quite quite. You know what? I like where you're going but I'm not reading any of this, and he throws it back at her or something. But I, Doric was could have been a great character. I think that if they wouldn't have made her so stern and so rigid and more kind of aloof a little bit, because you had both females were the straight men, uh, and it just wasn't... I They didn't counterbalance each other. They were very, like, very strong leading women. Okay, that's cool. But having them both do the same thing, it just kind of ruined it. And so you, a lot of the comic relief was left on Simon. And so, like when he was actually having these grow, these growing moments, it felt like okay, you're just waiting for something funny to happen. Like when he put on the helmet for the first time and he's talking to his ancestor, and his ancestor keeps just like blowing him away. It was funny. Which that, I had a I had a problem through you know the beginning parts of the movie when he was said he was wild magic and we didn't really see that much wild magic surges. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like, why didn't we? But then when they show his ancestor is uh, Elminster, I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe Elminster is his bloodline is keeping that magic from going too out of control because he he was very important to the goddess of magic, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it I, made sense thematically, at least. Maybe not, you know, story-wise or I, even character-wise. If, if you're in the D&D world and you've read the Forgotten Rounds novels and know who Elminster is, it makes sense. But those outsiders aren't going to know that's, that. And that's oh, the uh, thing. You can't you can't expect outside. You're, you're, you should have created this movie from scratch with these characters being no tie anywhere. Like, you're walking in playing a D&D, uh, playing a D&D thing. Uh, so you, you really need to, you really need to make sure that people aren't going to like be attached to these characters, have to have like previous attachments to these characters. They should be able to come in, kind of get a little bit of a backstory. And they did that great with Edgin and Olga in the beginning, uh, as he's explaining his story to the council and stuff like that. Uh, Hey, this is who we are and stuff like that. And then like, if they'd have done that for every character as they were introduced, I think it would have been great. Or if they like. 
would have made her, her more of a poison ivy kind of eco terrorist. You know? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have minded that. Like, you know, give yeah, it, where, where you give her something that 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 gives her a flair where. You know, she's she's more of a radical, more of a yeah. Because she was she know. was a really bland character. There was Doric was just very like cut and dry. I, not, not even like cut and dry where she was like Olga was kind of like playing the bulk sense where when you were looking at bulk, bulk takes things literally, and that was what Olga did. But Doric was like so super smart for her own good. She was also charismatic, and and it just didn't work for her. There was nothing there uh, to make her like pop out and be an exciting character. See, my biggest problem, my biggest character problem in the movie wasn't Doric. It was Sophina. Yeah, Sophina was. <sighs> I, I believe me. I am super happy that they made the Red Wizards a Thay and Zastam the big overarching villain. Because I, you know, have a lot of history with that and, and know a lot about that. So that was awesome to see. But they made her boring. Like, Sophina uh, and Zastam were, like, super boring. Like, they weren't, like... And, like, Hugh Grant as Forge was more of the endgame villain than they were. Uh, the final fight scene should have been in the Coliseum, not in the streets. Uh, and it should have been this, like whole big battle type deal and it was I felt like it was over rather quickly like it was a really cool play with the invisibility trinket in the end but it wasn't the same as it could have been had they put in into the arena and made it seem like this is the end game I would have liked to have seen uh, like some kind of like necrotic dragon fight would have been really awesome to add with these red mages a drake glitch yeah something cool like that like that's what it needed. Um, I, I'm 100% agree with you. Like, Sofina and Zastam were just, like, underutilized in the movie. And the thing is that most of the Thayan people, while, while they are very reserved, like, like especially the Zulkirs, like she was, uh, they're very reserved and quiet. But then when things start heating up, they get fiery because the, the Thayan people are very passionate people. Right. So... I wanted to see more emotion from her when she started getting her ass handed to her. <laughs> that and, awesome. and I didn't get anything, so... Uh, yeah, she, very, she can play a very, like, straight-laced character, but I, I, I agree with you. There was no real emotion. Like, as they, people kind of, like, got put back into a corner and stuff like that, it just it didn't, didn't work out. Um, I tell you... Uh, Good movie all in all. Like I said, I, I now that it's coming out on streaming services is the big reason we're talking about it now. I, I'd go watch it again, but I don't know. I, I think the direction of it just really needed something different. Yeah, I, I second that it's a good movie. I'd enjoy it. I'd recommend it to D&D fans. Like if, if you're a big D&D fan and you haven't seen this movie, you probably want to go and see it. it you'll probably have a good time. Yeah. But it, it I just don't think... It, there's things they could have done that would have made it just a little bit better that might have made it a little bit more money. Yeah. And that that would have brought more chance of a sequel, too, because, you know, if they don't even barely break even, it's going to be another 20 years before we get another D&D uh, movie. Almost a well, Disney movie. <laughs> I, I had actually seen on the rumor pipeline that the sequel's already in production or pre-production. There's no um, need for a sequel for that movie. The uh, Zastam was already set up as a sequel antagonist. I just don't think that this movie needs a sequel. I think it needs to be done from scratch again and like get away from doing these characters. I I, I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about that. What were you going to say, Mr. Producer? 
Well, just to play devil's advocate real quick, don't you run the risk of, of if you're playing to general audience, don't you run a fine line of being too casual and then you disappoint some of the, the D&D fans who would then criticize? There were a lot of D&D fans that did criticize it for many different reasons. Um, I, I think that it needed to be casual because, D, because of where 5e is now. And most people, like, honestly... More people have played 5e than they've ever played any other edition of D&D or Pathfinder. So I think well, that... And a lot of the, the complaints were more of the, well, actually type uh, complaints anyway, which are just start a part of the standard adaptation process. It happens. We know this. We've watched, you know, Battleship, and that shit was atrocious. We've watched... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Battleship, though. Halle, ba Halle Berry is, is actually a Navy reservist, so I thought that was pretty cool. We've we've watched Clue, which was amazing. We know that this happens. It's part of the process. It's I, just where in that process does it... Do the changes matter? And would adding the meta aspect be a step too far for the D&D fans, but perfect for casual fans? Or would it be, you know, perfect for D&D fans, whereas the casual fans are like, why are they showing this as a game? Why can't we just get a fantasy movie? Yeah. I, I don't think that trying to put the rules into it would like... Unless you were sitting, unless you're doing like we were talking about, where you pulled back out and the and the players are actually playing and discussing the rules at that point, then you can actually go in and say, okay, hey, this is different, or that that's one thing. But if, the way it's done with the rules and the multi like shape shifting and the different spell casting and stuff like that, I I think it was done. All right, we got to move on to the next topic. Uh, I'm going to read this email out, and then, Bulg, uh, I want you, because this, this is your hands down. Uh, it was addressed to you, and this was from our super fan, Gabriel Mateo. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I have a question for Bulg. I've been a DM for two games. I love it, but one thing I have a lot of trouble is with encounters. I either make them too weak or too powerful, and if I make them too powerful, uh, and if I do make them too powerful, uh, I'm just reading it as I'm written. Uh, I know I'm still a bit of new, but I hope you can help me with setting up encounters. Now, this is something we've talked about doing an episode on the on in the past. Bog, what say ye on on setting up encounters? So, to paraphrase what I wrote, because I, I wrote quite a bit there, um, as you do. <laughs> the uh, I I basically outlined that the CR system is intended to uh, be to work with a four party a four member party. And to provide a, you know, a, a fair and even challenge that is going to utilize some resources, but not outright kill the party. Right. Um, it, and it's the, a four-person four party using none of the optional rules. Yes. So that it, that's where the, the problem lies, is that, um, A, a lot of tables are bigger than four. Right. So you've got to adjust that, uh, how you deal with that. Uh, B, uh, a lot of D&D &D players use those optional rules and can be very smart and clever about how they use them and can trivialize CR at that point. Right. Um, C, the, uh, the other side of that is the hapless hero syndrome where they... They don't know how to play the game as effectively, say, like if they're brand new and they're like, okay, well, I just go up and run it and hit it with my sword, and they're trying to do that to a gelatinous cube. It's not going to do a lot of things. I, um, 
I, I want to add my little bit to this because I, I don't DM very much. I, I am a much better player than I am a DM. I enjoy a lot of my issues with DMing is I believe in the in the world of physics and physics doesn't translate to D and D. It's okay to fudge rolls to help your players. Like you don't have to fudge yeah. rolls to like you, you. It goes both ways. You can make it both challenging. Uh, if if they're kind of ripping through your skeletons uh, because they're super strong versus a what, what's a CR on a skeleton? It's a quarter, right? Quarter CR on a on a skeleton. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so maybe give them Which, a a roll. By re- the CR, by the CR system, a quarter CR is basically a one for one match for a level one character. Right. So if your skeletons are kind of getting ripped through. You know, give them a, a, a roll to, uh, and I say roll in quotation marks, uh, give them a roll to reconstitute and, and form back up. And, and maybe there's an item in the in, in the area that you've got to destroy before they just stay dead forever. You know, it's okay to fudge these rolls this way. It, it, you're, you're the DM. You're trying to make it, you can make it as exciting or boring as you want. If you're already having trouble with making them too weak or too powerful, you know, uh, take notes while you're sitting there as a DM saying, okay, this one was too weak. So, and that way you can kind of help guide it in and figure out what it is. The more you DM, it's just like the any, anything you do, all right? You can go out and throw an axe at a wall trying to get that uh, bullseye every time. You just have to keep throwing the axe, and eventually you're going to figure out where your arm needs to be, where the release point is, and eventually you'll just hit that, that oh, bullseye every time. Yeah, encounter building is is as much an art form as it is an actual skill because every every party's different, every group's different. You know, those skeletons for a group with a cleric who can turn undead, a paladin who can smite, you know, and a rogue who's backstabbing them the whole time, they're going to tear through much easier than a you know uh, some basic. A wizard, party that a, fighter has just and a... a wizard fighter and a monk, yeah, where they don't have the. Well, even with the wizard, you get the skeletons are a bad example because you. I, I, well, I'm just so low CR, but you get my point. The, the party composition is going to change depending on what the strengths and weaknesses of the monsters you choose, um, and it comes down to you got to know your party. And doing it for a one shot is harder than doing it for a campaign. You know, if if you bought skeletons last week and they walked right over them like they were nothing even if they haven't leveled up or got better gear you probably don't want them to fight the same number of zombies unless you want them to walk right over them again because you're going to get the same result whereas you know if skeletons were hard maybe next time you you give them one less zombie so (laughs) so that depending what Oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, and it also depends what your goal is for that encounter. Because some encounters, you want your party to be on their last leg when they finish this encounter. Yeah. Some, some encounters, it's... you want them to walk over like it was nothing. You know, some depends. encounters, you want them to realize you're going to die. Run. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got that. that okay, so that's what I was getting ready to say, uh, Bog. I was going to say, you need to make sure your players know it's okay to run away. I mean, go back to watching the movie, all right? They didn't go and fight every fight. Sometimes they ran away. Like, there was no way they were going to beat the dragon, so they had to bounce out. Uh, yeah. and, and not all encounters have to be fight monster encounters either. Sometimes, you know, the, a sphinx. You need to solve the sphinx's riddle, so you don't have to fight the sphinx. Yeah. So, so here's something I've done in the past, too, that may help out uh, with 
characters. All right, if you have a team, let's say, because we've had teams of six play at a table, and I've DM'd for that, uh, they're going to rip through anything. Uh, economy of actions just says that whoever can get more out, which is the players, because they have three or four actions per person that can hit AOE multiple targets at once versus, you know, yeah, some enemies like, let's say, skeletons. We'll just use skeletons because it's an easy one right now. Um, multiply their health pool by two and divide damage done by players by half. Uh, and it seems like, well, hold on. If they are ripping through things that quickly, just times it by two. And that way, they're doing. They're still doing damage. It feels like they're doing something. It kind of adds that. It's like essentially adding resistance to them, uh, but it gives them a little bit more, and it makes it tough. Uh, the short rest, the short short rest, long rest system is great, but it kind of gives players this idea that oh well, we'll just stop here after this and re- recover. Um, and and it's kind of made. It's made strategical or strategery, as our good friend Bacaw would say. It's made strategery thinking very bad like everybody's like oh well we'll just put up uh, uh mordecai's mansion and just go hang out here and then you know reset the encounter we'll go nova every fight and yep. rest and get all our assets back and go nova again the next fight instead of conserving your resources to carry over to the next fight yeah which and it's going bad of that is, it's gonna it depends on the group and it depends on the dm what the dm allows and what you know i mean and the level that the party too, because you know the low level people don't have the Mordenkainen's mansions and those kinds of things. They're also much more resource dependent. You know, when you only have two or three spells, they're going to be gone much faster than when you have fifteen to twenty. You know? Yeah, I, I I I definitely think that is probably going to be your best bet right there, Gabriel. Uh, definitely, like I said, Bolg definitely gave you some really good advice, but it, you're going to have to keep. You're going to have to keep trying, and and it's going to kind of dig into it and, and get a lot harder, uh, or it's going to get a lot easier. Harder for the players, easier for you, and it should be hard for the players. You're playing a game. Uh, yeah. it, it should be challenging. You should want to be, uh, you, you should want to feel like when you finally kill something that it's like this sigh of relief. We've all been there where we've been playing against the DM, and we're like, I don't know if this is going if we're going to win this, but when you finally win, you like, it's almost like you want to sit down as your character and go. Sometimes, especially boss fights, that's true. Yeah. Sometimes, especially I like to throw when you're a high level party where all of a sudden you come up against the things that you fought at level one that you struggled against, you know, like that, like that party of skeletons, you know, that, that gave you guys such a hard time at level one. Now you're level 10, 15, I like to throw that party of skeletons at you again. Right. Because then you come through and you wipe the floor and you see how much stronger you've gotten, how how much better. And you feel like the badass having, you know, come out on top of this thing that gave you such a hard time yeah. 10, 20 it, weeks ago, whatever it was. It, it, um, it should definitely show you, like, growth. Growth is a, yeah. uh, growth is a character to say hey look yeah this was challenging back in the day but i'm telling you having overcoming these fights and stuff like that it's okay to be hard on your players um because you can do like Loka saying come back and be easier on them later and give them give them a quick fight you know see if they burn all their resources trying to kill an army of skeletons and it's a quarter cr and they're level 12 and it's like 
All right, now that you've uh, burnt out all your all your big boy spells, here comes the dragon. Ah, but yeah, here comes the Draco Lich or the Lich. <laughs> <laughs> right after you just wasted all your fireball spells on quarter CR skeletons. I I just yeah. don't. Uh, what were you saying? No, um, I would say yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't be afraid to bring the party to their knees. Uh, you, obviously you're not aiming for a TPK, but. No, uh, actually, as a them... D and D, as a D, as a DM, you should be aiming for a TPK. Make it challenging. Make them. Well, it, cry. it's a deadly encounter, yeah. But, <laughs> but um... again, it it depends on the party too. You know, some sometimes it, it, heavy role play games, the action is kind of more of a, a side thing for those parties. You know, it, you, they want it to be more on the easier side, more casual. You know, just some. Something to make them the heroes for when they go back to the town for the role playing part. Yeah. Um, other other groups they want the Dark Souls experience, where they every every time they step outside, they're probably gonna die, and they better have lots of healing potions and lots of extra healer spells and stuff to to get through it, because otherwise they won't make it. Why did you guys um, die? Well, the uh, cleric decided he wasn't coming this weekend. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 things should be challenging and it should always be, I, and I say it should always be because you want, I'm going to tell you anything your players get to breeze through, whether it's role play or anything like that, they're not going to, they're not going to enjoy it as much as if like, I'm going to tell you the accomplishment, the feeling of accomplishment when you finally kill the big bad. And this is why I don't like the, uh, Hey, can we tell if it's bloody feature, uh, in D and D we as players should not know. Uh, we should always be fighting till uh, fighting like it's at full HP, all right. And the reason I say fighting it like it's at full HP is because if you start getting you get this sense of hope when it's bloody and there's not a whole lot of uh, enemies that get stronger. Uh, we call it an rage mechanic down in World of Warcraft. Like there's a phase that a boss just goes like nuts, and it's it, you're pretty much a race against time. And so I think that if you actually just Always treat treat the characters as they are full health as players. This is player not DMs to to the players. Uh, DMs you should always treat your players like they are at full health. Um, that that's why I like throwing trolls and and vampires and things with regen mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's bloody. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> oh man. Not anymore. It's not. I'm a fan of slight puzzle uh, puzzle enemies where you've got to figure out what to do to make them, you know, actually crumble. If you're just throwing yourself at them, it's going to take forever to beat them. Yeah. And it's just a war of attrition at that point. Yes. And like I said, that that right there, Gabriel, I think is is, is how each of us would. Yeah handle all of these uh different things i it's, so, yeah, I, I know we have I, old, uh, old episodes where we complained about the cr system in detail yeah um it, it's more of a guideline it you know it like i said it's it's an art you're gonna have to know where your group sits um you know if you're throwing three cr ones at your group and they're walking over them well next time you throw three cr twos and if they're if they're getting wiped out, well then you you happen to an extra NPC cleric comes by to heal them up, to save the day, and then or, next time you go, or you just walk, or you get a two. paladin that just walks right over everything. So yeah. so you get you get a uh, group of of guards that you know attack the party or bandits or whatever, and you accidentally whoops I'm I'm taking them out. 
Uh, this is bad. Make sure like it can be a, a fun moment where you can go, okay, I'm going to intentionally not go after the cleric. I'm going to bring him to his knees, but I'm not going to bring him down. Bring down everybody else in the party and then have the bandit leader transform into your big, big bad. Go, this was fun. Let's do it again. Throw down a handful of diamonds and then leave. No. No? No. <laughs> no. Murder them all. That's what all I say. Make them, make them feel the power of God. I don't know. I, I, I think I, I it is. It's more of uh, you're trying to walk it in, like Loke was saying. You're, tr you're trying to find that happy medium. You're gonna try this, okay? Then you're gonna walk it back, and then you, I, I giving your players a hand. Sometimes I think this will, it'll sometimes always believe, make them believe that you're gonna send somebody to uh, rescue yeah. them, and I, and I think that's just a bad call. Like say, no, it, no. If it's clearly was your calculation error, it's the only time I would say to throw in throw in an NPC to come say a dote deus ex machina save the day one time solution. Yeah, I'm not um, saying do that all the time. That would be a very bad thing to do. I this think, would be like a whoops. Um, I, think, I did not intend to kill you all. I think. Well, you could always you could always have like a knockout mechanic where they just like they stay unconscious. And that's where they, uh, so so they'll stay unconscious, and that's where you know they wake back up a few hours later. There's some of their stuff's gone, kind of like a Pokemon style, where you're like, oh no, I blacked out. You you beat my Pokemon, but I'm the one that blacked out. What? Wow, we are a bit of a sissy. But I think and this is this is why I do I believe in you know doing multiple encounters per per night because you can dial it in. So that that last encounter is the quote unquote real one. So like, you know, the first one, oh, you're wiping the floor with these guys. They, they the remaining bad guys run away because you're, you're just so scary, powerful. Then the next ones, you know, you're, you guys might be the ones that have to run away because you're overpowered. And then finally, the third one will be the one that's just right. I, for every, you know, I, I, I think that there's, yeah, you, you can find that happy medium, but then it takes away from the idea that players, and this is something I see with a lot of play, uh, with a lot of groups throughout, uh, is that players don't know to run away. Everybody, yeah. there are so many people that just think I can brute force my way through this way, and it will always, and that's going to be the answer, or I can just outsmart it, or I can talk my way out of it, and it's like, well, you can't. Sometimes things are just unwinnable right now. That's the idea. That's the idea behind it is like right now. And you, you want a perfect example. Look at Dark Souls. Think about how many times or what's the uh, what's the new one that came out there, Bulg? Elden Ring. Elden Ring. So you go through. Um, I know you go through the because I haven't played it. You go through the starting area and right at the end. Uh, the guy on the horse. The, the guy on the horse. That everybody tried beating their face across. It couldn't figure out that. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm not supposed to fight this guy yet. It's okay to run away, uh, to go around him, and then come back and beat that dude's ass later down the line. <clears throat> and you need to, yeah. How how long did it take you to beat him right out the gate? Like seven or eight tries. Yeah. You're, okay. Well, we get it. You're cool, and I don't know. No, I, I'm just I'm used to throwing myself at the at the at the uh, you know the at wall. the wall. Yeah. All right. See, and that's the thing. Barbarian like, mentality. Yeah. Exactly. And me is me is the ever loving rogue. Like, about that, I'm not doing that. I'm just yeah, walking around but here. Yeah, you get the other extreme where you know, um, I don't know if you saw the the first episode of Vox Machina season two, where they have four or five 
ancient dragons of different colors all come in and burn the town down. They do the smart thing and run away. I've had parties that, oh, we're level one, level two. We're going to stand here and fight those dragons. But, well, they'll burn the town if we leave. Well, yeah, they'll burn the town, but you'll, you'll live and come to fight another day. No, <laughs> they'll sit there and fight the dragons. And it's like, well, those parties deserve the DPK. Bravely bold to Robin. He bravely <laughs> ran away. He bravely ran Shut up. I, it's okay. Like, player, yeah. players need to know it's okay to run. I, like, I... I Strategically retreat. We use the word strategery yeah. around here. Retreating st- strategery. There you go. It's a it's a retreat a uh, strategical uh, retreat, and I, I I think it's important. Uh, you're gonna find it's the- hard as you go through, especially because you have so many class combinations that can fix like can fix problems and i think that's going to hopefully that's going to be an issue that they fix in sixth edition which we're about to get into here real quick we're going to get into one of my favorite and, classes but i think go for it man, my, my, i uh i only have one thing is that i've had parties in the past who strategically retreated strategically all the time all the time you can well you're the dm you can cut off uh you can cut off roots like let's say they're coming into a, a cave uh, something uh, something the the boulders behind you collapse as a trap is engaged, and now you are now locked in this room with the Goblin King. You know, it's all about how you Le- wanna... Legend, Legend of Zelda style it. The doors lock until the boss is dead, and then they unlock. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hope that's something that they fix in sixth edition. Uh, I, I think that it's something that definitely needs to be looked at. Um, is. <sighs> I already done forgot what I was thinking about. Damn it. I, well, the whole, the whole encounter process and stuff like that just needs to kind of be looked at kind of giving players more options to, or I know what I was going to say. I remembered it now. Uh, the class combinations, there's so many different class combinations that can help you get out and stuff. I I hope that they dial back on like the 30 or so different subclass that each one of them has, which kind of leads me into our last topic of the episode talking about my one of my favorite classes in the game the warlock and they must have been listening to this podcast because they did the one thing that i said that needed to happen to warlock and it was the fact that eldritch blast needs to be a warlock only cantrip or ability because everybody taking it takes away from what the warlock is special at yeah let's uh, just let the audience know we're talking about the playtest number five um the survey is actually out and open for people who, if you if you're interested in giving feedback to wizards on uh, their the play test five covers all the remaining classes that haven't been covered on the previous ones, except for monk. So monk will be in the next one. They must be doing something extra special with monk because they it needed they kept it. that one separate. Yeah, but uh, so in this one, we these came out while we were on hiatus, so uh, you know. Shut up, Enos. We'll have We're to... incognitus. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to give some more uh, more details on some of the other stuff at other points. But uh, yeah, we'll... we've, heard, we've had some very discussions on, on on Warlocks on this show, so we thought it'd be pertinent the... to bring that one up. It's the one that we, I think, needed to be start with because it's Warlocks always felt like it was in one of these weird uh, midpoints where it's trying to be something... Uh, both left and right. So what it is, is it's either trying to be a melee class or a mage class, and it didn't capitalize on what it really could have been, uh, which was the hybrid. 
the the Pact of the Blade gave it that option of, hey, I'm going to go in and fight, and I'm going to tell you one of my favorite warlocks was the Hexblade Warlock, and I said, hey, I think these two features, if they'd have flipped two features around, it'd have been a lot better of a class. And then that ability has actually made it into the new Warlock, and we'll get into that here after a bit. But now that it's kind of like he, they're giving you the option to play the Warlock right from the start the way you want to play it. Do I want to be a caster? Do I want to be somebody that kind of controls others? Or do I want to be somebody that fights up close? I hope that there's going to be more with the Pact of the Familiar. I think that it's going to be the pet class that um, that Ranger should be. But we're going to have to wait and see. There should be some more evocations, I think, that actually affect your Pact of the Chain. I know that there's a couple right now, some uh, invocations that actually kind of give them a little bit of buff to like their damage and stuff like that because they can cast like uh, an eldritch eldritch ability. Uh, now, me and Loki. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. That was one. That was one of the things when when I filled out. I've already filled out the survey. The survey is open till June 7th, and it takes about if you fill out everything, it takes about two and a half hours. It's it's a this is their largest play test to date. 50 pages long. Um, but one of the things I mentioned on that survey uh, for my feedback for them was that they do need more invocations for both the Pact of the Chain and the Pact of the Blade. Because um, it, well, it's I'm... almost to the point where you there are certain invocations that favor the spellcaster that are almost too good not to take. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that um, th- that you're like you're saying that there's not a whole lot that make it to where you want to play uh, Pact of the Blade, Pact of the Chain, in more of the tome, which is going to kind of lead into like the Lore Master Bard situation where you only play the Lore Master because it gets the best of both worlds. Granted, you shouldn't play any Bard whatsoever because they're just garbage class, and I'm not saying that out loud. I'm just saying that out loud. But I think here's another issue I have with it. Now I like the fact that Warlocks are getting more spell slots back. That's something that's been needed, um, but I don't like the fact that your subclass comes at level at third level and not at first level because I think that it takes away from your patron. Um, you, you all your power comes from your patron, and I feel that if you don't have your patron, which is kind of like where your warlock subclass kind of essentially bees, whether you're the Pact of the Blade or not Pact of the Blade, but wh- whatever your patron kind of does, like whether yeah. you're the Fae or stuff like that. Fae, yeah. Fiend, Hexblade. Uh, yeah. That's where you draw your power. So you're really not a warlock until you can really draw your power for something. So I would honestly say, hey, look, this thing needs to be moved to the first level and put uh, your Pact back at third level. To me, that I think, because you're kind of building into that and kind of... Well, and, and that's something this, this entire playtest has done for every class is that they have standardized all classes at third even clerics which is know, good the, which, to, to make them third level but i yeah, I, I don't know it, and I, I believe the reason they're doing that is because of the multi-class dip imbalance uh yeah there was just too too many cases where you get too much good stuff at level one that you do that one level dip so you have those extra stuff that just break was breaking some of some of the games out there. Yeah. And and I'm not seeing it as like a uh like you don't get those power you don't have your warlock packed until third level. I'm seeing it as like, okay, here we have a pact going, and then when you hit third level, okay, you've proven yourself enough to gain some more of my power. 
I, so that's where that comes in. And and that that I understand, but I think there's like things about your pact um, that that start from the beginning, like you know having certain spells that were always like utilized by your patron and stuff like that. And because as you leveled up, you got those spells for free and stuff like that down the line. So that that's yeah, the only I, thing uh, that I would say is like maybe switching them back and forth uh, back to where they were. Uh, because I, I think I, I think your pack stuff, your packs of the tone, pack of the chain, packs of the blade, could be something that could be essentially because you're going to have Eldritch Blast and Hex spells prepared as soon as you dip into Warlock subclassing, which I would never do. So that already makes it to where you can ca- everybody can go back to casting Eldritch Blast. I think, which I guess would take away from having Eldritch Blast as a Warlock only thing. So it's a hard, it's going to be a hard balance. I see what they what they've done though with Eldritch Blast in this playtest is it is tied only to your warlock level so before you get that you have to be a level five warlock before you get that second bolt for eldritch blast right you can't be a level one warlock and four levels of fighter and get that second bolt of eldritch blast like you used to be able to yeah Um, so it's tied to your warlock level as far as your scaling of your eldritch blast cantrip which i do like yeah it keeps it you know that way, a, a, a warlock that does twenty levels, their eldritch blast is going to be stronger than the warlock who's a multi-classer. Right. I do like the fact that they're giving us a contact patron spell, kind of like how clerics have, you know, contact deity and stuff. I don't. It's kind of vague right now because this is the playtest, but it's nice that we can actually reach back out and talk to the people that give us power. Because it always felt like the conversation was one side is like, yeah, I'm going to give you power, but then I'm never really going to talk to you again, uh, even if you don't do what I'm telling you to do. But now it's kind of like we can reach back out to him. And this is where, you're, like you've said in the past, Loke, where you have warlocks that don't do anything for their patron or don't do anything. Now, okay, well, I'm going to contact my patron for my help. Well, bro, you're... Uh, you're a little bit in the red on debt, so you need to come into the green before I do anything for you. So I think this is actually going to be as great as a, of a tool as it is for Warlocks. It's going to be more of an asset for DMs to say, hey, look, you said you were going to do A, B, and C. You haven't done A, B, and C, so now it's time to get to get it in. If you want me to help you help smite these guys so you can kind of go on about your day, uh, you need to kind of pay up. Yeah, because there there is the a different style of warlock where there's the I, I've called them the the leech warlock rather than the the sugar daddy, right? <laughs> where they where they've you know oh I, I I in a battle one time got splashed with some demon blood, and because I drank that blood I now have this bond with this oh don't you demon even that start with that crap powers. right you shut the hell up no no I know, I'm not saying they I, I see what you, I see saying, what you did there. They they have gained <laughs> See, their powers. Even he knows what he did there. Yeah, they've gained their powers in a way other than signing a deal, uh, where they where they're just leeching their power from their patron, um, and that that is a different way to to view a warlock, a different way to play a warlock. Um, this by making it where where you know, even if you are that kind of well, now you you've got the power to talk to that that demon that you're stealing the power from, uh, which means he should have the power to talk to you too. Uh, and he may not be happy that you're stealing that power from him. <laughs> I think, I think that they're, yeah, see, and now I, I hope they get rid of that feet. That feet better not show oh, it's an ugly head back in this edition. Oh, a- uh, I, I'm pretty sure the dip feet's all going to be. Cause I mean, even for 
we're not going to be talking about the, but like the new weapon masteries and stuff already has a feat to give non-fighters the yeah I mean, that's that's dumb oh yeah i i tell you one of the features i like and uh, i was talking about earlier part of the hex blade that i said needed to be switched is kind of moving over into uh just being a normal warlock which i think is a cool idea because when i think of warlocks i think of you know damage over time type deals uh so we you had hex master as a as a hexblade warlock and you had your hex your special your special version I can't think of what it is off the top of my head but you had a special version of hex that you could move from target to target when things died now they're giving you hex as at first level all right you automatically know hex and eldritch blast which is great but they wait till level 18 to give it to you without expending a spell slot now we talked about this uh, before the episode started uh, that the way it reads is uh, you can cast Hex uh, without expending a spell slot, which means that you cast it at a first level, which doesn't do anything. At 18th level, you're only casting a first level spell, which does 1d6 necrotic. That's not a lot. If you're fighting something that is on a, on a CR level of a level 18, it that's ridiculous. And I think that the the change to this that would help out is that it's a spell it's spell slot minus one so if you're at level 18 and you cast this hex without one you can say i cast it at a level five uh it would essentially you can cast it at a level five have it do level five damage but it only eats your level four spell slot because yeah uh, and because it's super I, weak for a level 18 skill yeah and that that's the thing i it, it it's basically turning into a hunter's mark for warlocks instead of instead of being their their key feature their cornerstone of what makes them a warlock and you know i would like to see additional features like you, you mentioned the the hex blade in the original where you know after what was it fifth sixth level somewhere in there if you killed somebody who had your hex no, on like, it it's they like rose little... as a specter yeah <laughs> which was all it was yeah. an awesome little thing the issue with that is is you could only use that feature once and you couldn't move it. And the only time you could move it was at level like 14, which was like, all right, I guess. Yeah, and I, they... I just think if, if Hex is going to be the cornerstone of the Warlock, they need to have more of those supplemental features where maybe, you know, okay, it, you know, at level seven, Hex has added once per day, bestows a cast the spell, bestow curse on whoever you you've hexed or you know something something that just gives it more teeth i and if that's the case and then then just casting this free level one spell at level 18 yeah if it's doing all these the you know yeah it's raising specters it's uh you know bestowing curses it's doing all this other stuff then yeah at level 18 that'd be worth it but just the level one bare bones book version at level 18 is not worth it yeah and I and I think that maybe if they added more uh, invocations that buffed it, because there's only one right now that really buff it, and it's really not that great. You can cast Hex. Its range is now 600 feet, and you have advantage on any constitution saving throw to maintain your concentration on the spell. So first off, you have to be able to see your target at 600 feet. You really can't get that even with Devil Sight. Uh, I mean, you, it says that you can cast at 600 feet, so I guess you really don't need line of sight to it. I wouldn't think, but I think you would. So that the hexer is a dumb invocation. It should really up the damage on it. 
whenever you cast Hex, that it does, uh, it gains an extra D6, uh, and you can take this, you can take this uh, invocation multiple times. Would actually be a better, uh, better yeah. invocation to help buff it. So that way, when you get it at level 18, you've taken uh, the evocation, uh, several evocations, a couple times. Now you can kind of like really buff it. And now it's doing. Um, let's just say there's seven of them that you take because actually the maximum now is nine. So if you take it like four times, four D six plus that, so it's five D six of extra damage. That makes it worth it. That makes yeah, it and, feel like and, you can do it. And that would actually give you a reason, something alternate. Cause like right now this mystic arcanum invocation is, is almost a must take for the warlock. Yeah. Cause that's how you get your spell slots past fifth level is by taking that you so you're going to take it at least three times to get a seventh a sixth seventh eighth ninth four times so yeah i i so, really and i and i hate that that honestly needs to be a class feature and not and that, uh, that'll take that'll take half of those nine invocations right there because it's it who is not going to take high level spell casting right i e think... even if you are a blade warlock that that focused on there's not enough good melee related uh invocations which is the core of the class right which would would then override you taking the mystic arcanum and you know so i'm of the opinion if something is a must take it should be part of the class it should it shouldn't be an option it should just be given as part of the class yeah I uh, and I honestly wouldn't mind Mystic Arcanum being a pact, uh, part of your pact of the uh, pact of the tome, or yeah. impact of the chain, and not the blade. I, and and that's probably something where they're going to have to like really delve into and like make well, these unique. And it should be that yeah. you shouldn't just take, uh, you shouldn't just want to take pact of the chain because it does more damage or it offers more. They should all. But be... like your your example, that hexer. If hexer added a d six every time you took it. So instead, you took six. It was repeatable up to so many times, whatever, you know. And you took six times Hexer, you wouldn't have the extra invocations to take. That might be something worth it for a Pact of the Blade. If the, if you can make your target take an extra 66 damage, that might be worth passing on that ninth level spell. Yeah. It's it's definitely like the invocations are definitely not balanced. There's a lot of utility though that they're bringing back, which I like. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, one with the shadows. When you're in an area of dim light or darkness, you can use your action to have an invisible condition until you move or take uh, a bonus action or a reaction. Yeah. So you can honestly pair that if you want a multi-class, which I don't recommend you do. Now you're a rogue. That is going to be a super fun to come in and just be like, ha and and if you have that hexer feet, now you have that sneak attack damage. Now you're really feeling like some bad, uh, badass fight, uh, rogue kind of like warlock where you're out there stabbing in the sap, and you're you're doing stuff that's really cool. There, there's a lot of good changes to warlock in this new in sixth edition that I think are really going to go over well. But there's a lot of just like internal balancing on the class itself. Uh, like you're saying, yeah. you have to take Mystic Arcanum if you're going to be, if you really want to feel like you're damn yeah. good. At high level, at high level play, you have no choice. You have to take those because you're you've only get two attacks with the uh, Pact of the Blade because it gives you an extra the extra attack is at fifth level. Right. It never gives you a third attack, so you're never going to keep up with the fighters 
at high level play, which you should really that you shouldn't be keeping up via extra attack. That's the fighter's thing. Right. You should be it but, should be coming off from what your what your class you know, does. As as the hex blade, you know, uh you know, curse of the blade or uh you know something like a green flame blade type automatic enchantment where you're stacking all these enchantments onto your your mystic pack weapon so that it's doing a lot of damage with one so you're you're doing the the smite type damage or the uh, sneak attack type damage from a different source whether you know you're from your patron flames or whatever you know they need those kind of invocations that add those things onto your you know no. This invocation makes all your melee with your pack attack, your pack weapon wep attacks, uh, you know, magical. I and I, add one d six fire. Uh, this, I don't. This invocation adds. Oh, I, I thought you were blindness about, or. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you were talking about Mystic Arcanum in general. Like, I I, I no. don't feel like I don't feel like you should have to take that if you're going to play like Pack to the Blade. You're going to be a melee warlock because they're right. trying to yeah, make this. There, there should be something equivalent to that Mystic Arcanum that focuses on the melee so that if you are making a melee warlock, you take that instead. Yeah. Overall, uh, all in all, I think some of the changes are actually well-deserved. Some of them just need a little bit more balancing issues. I'm going to tell you another one that I've noticed that I think uh, would be a better change that if you're going to take pact of the blade, that you're not using wisdom or charisma that you're using uh, either like strength, strength and dex and charisma uh, because I, I just don't feel like wisdom uh, offers a whole lot to you as a warlock. Um, it's nice to see that they're trying to bring intelligence to the forefront with like Pact of the Tome and Pact of the Chain, but I think that Pact of the Blade needed like you shouldn't you should feel strong if you're going to be a melee fighter. Uh, and having wisdom or charisma, yeah, I get it. You're a caster. That's kind of like where you're going to lean. But I think if you want to make a melee warlock, strength is going to be strength or dex. You know, am I going to be an agile fighter? Am I a two-handed one? Because you're packed to the blade. Um, I know in the current edition, you can change your weapon to whatever you want it to be, and you're proficient at it. Uh, and then there was the evocation that allowed you yeah, to do. They like, should probably those. have, had, you know, the pack of the chain. Maybe they should have tied to wisdom, and then yeah, either dex or strength to give you the, the option. The it's it's so, dex or strength so that, and charisma. Yeah. But I, um, I, I, I think the overall changes to Warlock are really good. I don't like the prepared spells thing. Um, my issue with prepared spells as a Warlock is, is you're already, you already have voices in your head from your pa- patron. Why wouldn't you already have those? In, in half the time, people really don't play with prepared well, spells. And that, that's the thing. This, this play test, you'll see that everybody, even like clerics and bards and people who didn't have them before good, good. Bards that seems that. to be the direct that seems to be the direction the designers are preferring everybody go to the prepared it doesn't make uh, sense for sorcerers especially because that they need um it, it doesn't make sense uh doesn't make sense for sorcerers uh, I think source because they have innate ability, like it is close to what they're doing, like the, how they draw their energy and everything. Yeah. That's I, I don't agree with that on sorcerers. I think sorcerers are for sure. Uh, I can forgive warlocks, but I can't forgive sorcerers not having innate 
I already know these spells. All right, they already they're supposed to have limited spells, but they are like this comes from wherever I get my energy from. If it's like I can breathe fire, it's because uh, of this. Yeah, it. it I think B and D is trying to, or wizards, I should say, is trying to be distinctly D and D because prepared spells is distinctly a D and D um, style. Like when you read most fantasy novels, they don't use this style of spell casting unless they're a D and D. Yeah. Novel, because um, this is not the the most common used. You know, even most of the video games they're using some kind of a spell point mechanic or ma- mana point mechanic, you know, or uh, a cooldown per spell. Um, even most video games don't use this prepared spell type mechanic, and and I think that that might be driving them. Yeah, to go uh, this way because it's more their their IP, right? Their, you know, which so. may not be the best thing to use to drive, you know, more business to your new new version. But it also it may make the most legal sense, especially with all the trouble they had with the OGL and all that other stuff. That <laughs> that's all that stuff's a nightmare. But yeah. uh, Paizo's is like Paizo's is capitalizing on it. It's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, I I tell you, I I love the changes. I think it's been pretty good. Uh, the D and D movie, awesome movie, and uh, Gabriel, I hope we really uh, helped out your case. Uh, I got to tell you guys, I, it's good hearing all y'all's voices again. It's good to be back. Uh, we've got big things planned coming up for the entire show. Like I said, we're trying to work on we're gonna work on actually live streaming these to like YouTube and stuff, so you guys can come in and you can ask us questions live and be a part of the conversation. Uh, don't forget, you can email your questions to us at bulganpc at gmail.com. You can always talk to us on our socials. We are very interactive with you guys. If you guys message us, comment on our stuff, we talk back to you. Just search up Bulgan PC wherever you go. It'll take you to our Facebook, our Twitter, our podcast sites. We can get it to wherever podcasts are planned. Big shout out to our super fan, Gabriel, man. You, you definitely made it uh, worth it to come back all the way back. And Absolutely. Our, thank you. Yeah. And to our sponsors, uh, at Shattermare Comics. Don't forget, they've got uh, issue number eight already out. Uh, and if you show up to them, tell them that Bulgan PC sent you. And I guess Loke the Bard too, if you want. But uh, it's definitely going to make things out a little bit better. You know what? I'm super glad that you guys didn't do this entire episode. You didn't play with the What's stupid. That? Didn't play with the stupid button bar. Oh, the button bar? Yeah, the button bar. You know, the one thing where is it? I'm gonna, yeah, that thing. <laughs> All righty. With that being said, say goodbye, Bog. Goodbye, Bog. And say goodbye, Loke. Bye. Bye, See everybody. You. You've been listening to Chef Bog and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything, featuring Loke the Bard. Like, follow, subscribe, and share this podcast. You can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Chef Bog and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. Questions, comments, and mutiny requests can be sent to bogandpc at gmail.com. And as always, happy adventures.